0: Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report, where we talk with interesting and helpful people. With me today is a person who can help all of us cope better in the crazy times in which we live. His name is Dr. Roy Fouch. Today is June 26th, for context. Dr. Roy Fouch is a licensed professional clinical counselor with a PhD in psychology. He has worked for over 45 years in the mental health field as a program and clinical director, and is currently director of mental health services at the Hamilton County Justice Center here in Cincinnati, Ohio. He is also in private practice as a Christian counselor, specializing in marriage and family counseling. Welcome, Dr. Fouch.
1: Oh, it's glad to be here with you again, Vic.
0: I I always enjoy talking to you. Well, since the turn of the decade, since 2020 has set in. And it's interesting that I wrote an article for the Beyond Today magazine entitled, The 2020s Are Here, Are You Ready? (laughs) And had little knowledge about what would really happen as the decade marker moved to 2020 of all the things that have come. Immediately, the COVID crisis hit. And it seems that almost every month, there's a once in a lifetime crisis that people have to face something new it's either in the news it is something internationally it's the economy it's uh, changes in laws and mores it's just been so many things that people are bounced around church attendance uh, on the outside not so much in our church but has declined very very dramatically where even after covid people are not coming back and it's an indication that they're not finding confidence in uh, leadership or what they hear So with that start, Roy, I know that much of what you encounter are people who are reacting to the kind of world that is facing us.
1: Uh, Yeah, that is that is true. And I have noticed um, definitely an increase in certain behaviors and emotional and spiritual states of mind uh, that that people are experiencing. And they're reacting to all the stressors going on in our world today um in various ways, I've noticed people are angrier than they used to be, more depressed, there's a lot of anxiety about the future. People don't you know know where all this is going, where life is going, where our country is going, or where their lives are going. And they're very very troubled by these things and they have a sense of uh, a lack of control over what's going on around them, whether it's financially or whether it's, uh, You know, in terms of uh, relationships or the various conflicts that are um, attacking us, so to speak, from the standpoint of things that are troubling to people, you know, moral issues, political issues, things like that. The number of killings that there have been, and I've also noticed within the jail, we're getting more and more murderers coming in, young people, 20, 21 years old. Who are, who are shooting each other? So it's it's the, the society in our at least in our country is becoming much more violent, and there's a there's a divisive spirit in in the world today. Reminds me of the German word Zeitgeist, which uh, is a spirit of the times, and each era has its own specific and unique Zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And it seems as though the one we're having right now is one of um, division controversy. People are going to one side or another on, on various issues. And it's just causing a lot of disconnect among among people and causing a lot more violence. The other thing I've noticed is it just seems like there's a whole lot more misinformation that's going on in the world than I ever remember before. And I think people are tapping into some of the things that may appeal to their biases, their prejudice, or their fears. And, and they, they tend to be affected by these things. And so you have groups of people that almost have a, a delusional system that they're sharing in because it's, you know, they see the world in a, a really distorted way based on uh, some of this information they're receiving or they're getting from certain people that may have a charismatic appeal to them. But it's, but it's very difficult times. And, and this is affecting everyone to one extent or another. We're having natural disasters, which are on the uptake having divisions within our country politically, we have social crisis. So all this this is happening and it's affecting people and it's affecting them in a very negative way.
0: Well, I'm sure that uh, in the decades that you have been in your work, that you probably have adjusted quite drastically to the average person that comes to see i'm sure everybody's an individual but you see a trend towards this kind of thing in a in a very very big way right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah that's true yeah this is this is a, a disturbing trend because it's happening not only in our country but i mean certainly aspects of it are affecting people in other countries as well i i think it's i think it's a result this would be my my perception of it it's a result of mankind not Following God's way of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, humankind, historically speaking, you know, when when people have been more in line with the way God designed life to be in terms of how we treat each other, how we live our own lives, it it seems like there were better times. And -hmm. right now, it it seems like people are kind of wanting to do their own thing. It was real interesting. I was watching an interview uh, on television the other day, and this lady was um, protesting. Uh, the recent Roe decision, but it really wasn't anything that she was protesting for herself, but she was protesting for the right of people to make their own choices about things.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And, and I think that's a lot of what's going on. People think they have the freedom to do whatever they want with their bodies uh, morally. And I think it's not in accordance with with God's purpose for us. And as a result of that, I think we're we're suffering the consequences of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, one thing that I did want to kind of get into you, get in sure. with with you before uh, you know we end is for you to be able to uh, tell us a, a a strategy that you have in helping people that come to you because some people may complain about a counselor. I mean, I'm not you, <laughs> well, they didn't tell me very much. They gave me uh, certain uh, platitudes do this something that I could put on a magnet on a on my refrigerator it sounds very good but I don't really haven't really done much with I'd like to know in in your work because this is also very true in the job of pastoral counseling is to give people first of all to let them have them understand that you do understand and are sympathetic towards their problem and that you are a person that can be trusted to give them some kind of answer some kind of procedure, some type of action, habit, whatever, that in itself will help them be better off after they leave you and a week or two later than they were before?
1: Well, I will say that sometimes people don't like what I have to say. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I had one lady that uh, she wanted me to pray at the end of the session, which I did, but then somewhere during the session, I said something about God. And she and she didn't want to hear that. And so right. she didn't come back. So, yeah, I mean, people sometimes have an expectation of what they want to hear. I try to I try to speak the truth, you know, as, mm-hmm. as scripture says, speak the truth in love. So um, I try to um, help people with whatever situation they're in. Mm-hmm. You're right. The first thing you need to do is in a sense is validate, you know, they have a right to feel the way they do. Mm-hmm. If these are troubled times. They're under a lot of stress. And, you know, some of the symptoms they're having is a natural reaction to that. And then to try to identify some things that they can do to help themselves and also to help uh, their marriages, their families, and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, so a lot of times we will take a look at areas where they can improve. So if you're talking about a family, then you're talking about how can that family be structured in such a way that the people within that system are, are getting their needs met. They're being nurtured. They're being cared for, the quality of life there, and that parents and, and, and a married couple are providing a place that's safe and a place for their children can, you know, express themselves and, and try to create opportunities for them to have some quality of life with other children, with other families, and to be able to cope with some of the things they're experiencing from the outside. You know, the misinformation they receive within the school system. So we have to be, you know, we have to be willing to talk with them about things that are concerning to them and not try to avoid topics that are that are difficult to talk about. And, you know, within the church and, and various places, uh, you can get truthful information about, about different subjects, uh-huh. just like with the uh, LBPQI plus stuff that's going on. Children are bombarded with this within the school system. So what is what is the truth about that and how should we? How should they respond to individuals who are having these experiences? And so I think we can better equip them to know how to handle those things and not kind of avoid it because we're uncomfortable with it. So from that standpoint, you know, looking at families as as, as a place where people can heal, get nurtured, feel support, and feel safe, I think that's that's a key. Uh, response to all this.
0: Well, well, one thing I was going to ask you since you bring that up, I was going to ask you another question, but since you bring up LGBTQI, you know, we have a particular view. It's very obvious the way we feel about that. I mean, it's not like we have two camps, you know, in the church, you know, we have a particular view, but people are out there in the world. You know, I, I am in Rotary Club and, you know, I'm with, with others and, and, you know, this uh, month here of Pride Month, you know, there's some of my people who I know very, very well that uh, are supporting this and participating in parades and that type of thing, which is anathema to me. But uh, how do you counsel people who come to you with this? You know, we see these angry mothers, for example, on television and protesting. They sometimes are called, called domestic terrorists because they speak out so loudly about these things. But how can you tell someone who has their children in a very, very anti-God atmosphere, anti-biblical environment, how do you tell them to civilly respond and civilly navigate their lives in that, short of being sequestered at home and homeschooled and cut off from society? What type of advice do you give?
1: Well, I think um, what I try to tell people is, you know, we have to treat people with dignity and respect. You know, it's, it's not our position to... To judge them, Um, you know we can be caring. We can listen. Uh, I've never really counseled somebody contrary to that lifestyle when they've come into my office. I take a look at other things. They're there to have someone listen to them. Uh, Sometimes they may have a relationship issue. Uh, It might be a communication problem. I might help them learn to be a better communicator. So, so I don't really get into the moral aspects of that with with, with a person or a mother, um, who brings their son or daughter in, who's struggling with, with these things. Um, I just try to be there for the person in question, the young person, they're usually bringing a young person. Yeah. They want me to talk them out of it, but, um, I can, I can see very soon there's no talking them, uh, mm-hmm. contrary they feel what they feel, they experience what they experience. And then, you know, I, I just listen. And that's basically what I do there. Yeah. But as far as um, how people should treat individuals who are a part of this, again, I don't think we we go in, you know, we march in praise with them. I mean, we, we know from the, the Bible that some of these uh, behaviors are not acceptable to God. There's there's things in there about the transgender stuff. You know, there's not necessarily a specific scripture that that addresses that but there's clearly something going on with that individual that makes them feel uh, that they need to do what they do. I I do think that uh, uh, many people today are having what I call an identity crisis, trying to figure out who they are and uh, how they feel about themselves, whether it's sexually or socially or morally or whatever. And I think we've gotten away from, uh, many of us have gotten away from the idea that our identity should be aligned with with God's identity. He gives us pretty clear guidelines as to what our personalities should consist of. And a lot of times it has to do not only with how we relate to him, but how we relate to one another. We're not supposed to be judgmental. We're not supposed to treat people disrespectfully. So I think when the, within the context of, of God's word, we can treat people the way Christ would treat them if they were here. And that's really what focus needs to be, not on if it's morally right or wrong because we know it's not right based on God's word so hopefully that answered your question yeah.
0: well, I was just yeah so I was just wondering how directive you get in your discussion you you're, you're there at the prison and you work with all types of people that mm-hmm. that are you know they come and go and and uh, uh how, how much of the biblical values and how do you present those values to them as being a director of the center, you're known to have a certain—if you call it a bias or a certain slant. Uh, how do you manage that?
1: Well, I don't. I don't really have a bias in terms of again uh, being judgmental as to why they're there. Um, I really look at their lifestyle and see how they got there and what they need to do to not keep repeating the same thing. And it was really interesting. I came across a man the other day, and I. I didn't even remember talking to him and he came in and he, and I had maybe a five minute conversation with him and I just directed him on taking a look at his life and the choices that he was making and how those choices were affecting him and that he had other choices that he could make. And the consequences of those choices would lead to a better quality of life. Now I do, I do bring in the spiritual. Well, I, I bring it in if, if they're open to it. So one of one of the things I might ask, is you know what is your your spiritual belief system, mm-hmm. you know, and if, mm-hmm. they, if they want to believe in God or a, I'm a Christian, you know, I, I might ask them, you know, well, so what are you doing in that relationship, you know, what what practices do you have, do you read the Bible, do you talk to God, you know, sometimes they're angry with God. Uh, I talked I talk to a, a man right now, uh, he's 84 years old, he's a veteran. And uh, he's he's angry with God. You know, he's angry for a number of reasons. Things that happened in the service uh, um, that have affected his life up to the up to God didn't allow you to die, and there was a reason and a purpose for it. And he's struggling with the idea of thanking God for keeping him from dying. And he and he's uh, had some other experiences, near death experiences. So it's just a dialogue that we have. And, and obviously, it's much easier to work with people that have a spiritual inclination, because then you can bring in spiritual things. You can bring in spiritual things like forgiveness without actually making it Christian or or other religious following, because you know we know that forgiveness from a mental health standpoint allows you to get rid of bitterness, resentment, anger, guilt, all these emotions that basically cause you to make bad choices or to use substances or behaviors to self-medicate yourself so you don't have have to feel these things. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's lots of ways of uh, uh, getting spiritual principles into the conversation without characterizing it as religious or spiritual.
0: Well, one thing I found that with people that I associate with, that, you know, whether it be in a club atmosphere or <clears throat> some type of other relationship where they see me on a constant way, they kind of get to know who I am. They see what I do, uh, they see by my actions, they see by my habits uh, what I do. And eventually the conversation at some point will intersect with spiritual principles. It'll have to do with relationships. And I found that at one time, uh, a person even wanted me to talk to their, uh, their daughter about going through a divorce. And I was very shocked by that. But they had built up the confidence knowing that I had yes. certain values. And their faith was way, way different from you know the, my faith, but I was more than happy to uh, oblige and to offer my comments, you know, my, my opinions uh, you know, about that. So uh, I'm sure that uh, you have a certain reputation there and you know, people will be basically relating to you, not because of the letters after your name, but because of who you are.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to present myself in an, in an accepting way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not there to judge why they're there. Mm-hmm. I'm there to see what I can do while they're there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the other thing I always say to them is, what are you going to do when you leave here? Uh-huh. And sometimes I'll see people four or five times over the course of four or five years. You know, And I, I remind them, you can't keep walking down the street and falling in the same hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, there's a, an addiction, uh, short story that talks about that and how you have to, uh, sometimes you walk down the street and you walk around the hole, but then at some point in time, you walk down a different street and that different street, it was a new life with new choices, with new people. And if that means going to a church and finding fellowship with believers, you know, that's, that's one thing you can do, you know, getting away from the old you know, drug users and, and people who are into criminal behavior, finding finding a support system. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and one of the things that we've talked about before is, you know, kind of what can we do as, as believers and as uh, human beings, what can we do to help other people? And I think each of us has an opportunity to make a difference, not only in our lives and the lives of our family, but everyone we come into contact with. Right, you right. Know, Through through kindness, through being a good neighbor, uh, to seeing somebody at church or anywhere who is isolated and alone. We have a church program called Light of Hope, Mm -hmm. and we run across people even within the church sometimes who feel isolated and that feel that, you know, people are not available to them. So we all have to be looking out for people who need us, and we need to reach out to those people. That's what Christ would do. And that's what
0: we need to do. And I'd like you to maybe say a few more words about the light. Was it Light of Hope is the name? Uh, yes. Okay, Light of Hope. Uh, yeah. I really do appreciate what, what, what you have done. You know, I have gone through a change in, in, in my life here where I have just become retired and have a different allocation of time. And in church this last week, it just made a difference to me when I picked up the monthly... Well, and it had the names of people who are shut-ins. People who can't get to church and it had their name and their address suggesting that people write to them. And I've made it a point to <laughs> write one or two, you know, every so often here to communicate with them. I guess it didn't really dawn on me as much, but it just doesn't take very long to express a little bit of kindness that you remember their name. And, and I, I find it to be a very helpful thing. I know that when I receive... A letter or a card, and we've received, my wife and I, just hundreds of cards here lately as we have transitioned from my work as president of the United Church of God, of people showing appreciation. It really, really, really made a very great impact on us. And this type of kindness, it's interesting to have you talk about it from the standpoint of not a secular psychologist, but a Christian psychologist, to be able to use those principles in saying, hey, That's just part of natural relationship building that you do these types
1: of things. Yeah, I mean, every time you have an interaction with somebody is an opportunity to show kindness and and love and make that person feel significant. Uh, It can be somebody at the grocery store. Um, You know, it can be just a couple minutes where you ask them how they're doing and how their week's been. You know, it, it doesn't take much time and and it makes it makes such a it makes such a difference in people's lives. And before you know it, you have this whole community of people and these various places that you visit or out in the parking lot as you're going to your car and somebody else is going to theirs where you start, you know, creating uh, a community of kind givers, you know, and, and mm-hmm. there's reciprocity, you know, that comes comes with that. And and I think if you run across somebody that's grumpy, which we all do, and, and we've been that way ourselves at times mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you know, don't give up on them. You know, just just come back again, and uh, and uh, it, it eventually it'll make a big difference.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, about dealing with grumpy people. <laughs> and yeah. There are people who are grumpy because they're upset. There's others that's just their nature. And yeah. some people you really can't make too much inroad but with some, you can start joking and you can find some right. common humorous thing and you find out they're really not as, it's not as really as bad as you think it is. <laughs>
1: right. now, and, and you're right. Humor is is definitely a, a, a good way to connect with people. You know, a smile is a good way to connect with people. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you just, you just keep working at it and eventually you'll make some inroads.
0: Well, it's, it's amazing that, um, you know, we had a, consultant who helped us this was 12 years ago Uh, he was a fantastic consultant dealing with strategic planning in fact I've had contact with him just within the past year because he was so very very good knew our organization and we were going through difficult times with our organization at the time that we were redoing our strategic plan in a very big way and he held a special session he held a special session we asked him to please address the problem that was right there you know, in our midst, and he, you know, he tried to bring things together, but he said that the soft stuff is the hard stuff. Now, we have to understand that some of those softer things are things that we need to pay special attention to and really give it importance, because it is important, and oftentimes it's through the soft stuff that you really can get through.
1: Yeah, there's, there's one, one thing I wanted to say. One of the challenges that we face today is there's negative stuff going on over here there's negative stuff going on over there it's easy to get caught up in it you know to get mm-hmm. drawn into it, to take this side or that side or get upset about this this thing or that thing and my sense of it is that things are going to get worse before they get better and i and you know the the idea of well how do we survive in such an atmosphere of negative things how are the people in ukraine surviving You know, Mm -hmm. in the midst of all the things that are impacting their lives, and I think the thing that you know I always remember is is the one scripture where it says, "Without vision, the people perish." And and I think whatever we do, we can't lose sight of God's great purpose for us. He did not create humankind to die and just murder each other off and destroy the earth and all these things. He has a greater purpose for us, and we have to. Keep that in mind that he will in a sense rescue us he will deliver us from evil and from pain and suffering and we have to keep that in the forefront of our mind we have to teach that to our children and we can't lose sight of that when these negative things are going on either in our personal lives or in our you know loved ones or in the world in general
0: well that's that, what I, that, yeah i was going to you actually answered a question that i was going to ask us sort of towards the end is People come to you, and I know that one reason why people have been more depressed is because a sense of unknowing what the future will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the apocalyptic uh, factor has really been big. It wasn't there before World War II. It was there would be big wars, but eventually one side will overcome another side. But it's not been that way since 1945, where wars could become apocalyptic and ending civilization, and. Right now, what's happening in Ukraine and NATO, the bullying of the Russians, and and sort of bringing that out in the Chinese, it seems like, what's the use? Somebody's going to get trigger-happy, push the big button, some crazy person who doesn't care what happens to him, and he'll just blow the world up. That'll be his claim to fame. Uh, do you talk to people who need to be uh, picked up as far as just even where they go with their marriage and and having children and that type of thing, living in such a negative world?
1: Well, I mean, I I don't think we can stop living our lives. And if you look at some of the scenes that we've seen from the Ukrainian people, their love for one another, their love for their children in terrible circumstances where there wasn't water to wash with or drink or necessarily food, but, but, but they continue to love their children and love each other and and to reach out and help people where they where they can. So there there's always going to be a place for us to help one another, and that's what's going to get us through all this. Being there for one another, encouraging one another, helping each other, sharing food, you know, doing whatever we can to get one another through these difficult times ahead, knowing that when Christ returns, he will make this world a much much better place. And we have to hold on to that hope.
0: My wife and I have worked in two areas of the world, well, several areas of the world where there have been just very negative, either economic situations or like in Ukraine right now with with the war going on. And we deal with these people on a regular basis. With Ukraine, I have, I talk to them every day. Today, I've talked to them a couple of different times because we've just transferred 100 children from a war-torn Chernihiv area to the west uh, to where they're in a safer area. And I just really find that they have been very, very helpful to one another. They seem to be more grateful than I can imagine. They seem to be even calmer. They don't seem to be hysterical about what's going to happen to them. They're taking things one day at a time. And I have just really been um, very very amazed by that and, and wish that we who have been shielded from that type of thing for now oftentimes just get... Too hysterical, you know, about things when we shouldn't. And also in Africa, where conditions economically are so distressing, people make 50 times less than we do. I mean, just very, very at, at, at very impoverished levels. And yet they're sharing. And yet they're happy. Yet they even treat each other very, very well, better than you know we do. So. These are all things to consider, and I think that we as leaders in managing people and counseling uh, try to bring those things out and make them work.
1: And I I do think that, you know, as we do those things for others, it's like that, you know, that uh, statement they used to have about passing it on. I I do think that people who receive, you know, kindness and generosity and, and, and love many of them will pass that on to others as, as they go through life. Like those children that you were talking about, many of them will remember this the rest of their lives. And and they too will be the beacons for other people who come along who might be suffering or disadvantaged. And, and that's, that's one of the positive outcomes of some of this that, that we do learn, you know, compassion and we, we learn to share it and, and, uh, and, and help others along the way. And and it helps us with our mental health, our spiritual health, you know, when we do these things. The more we participate in giving, you know, the more we are healthy ourselves, mm-hmm. emotionally and spiritually. And the focus isn't on, uh, oh, why me? Or, you know, I don't have this or I don't have that. You know, we're, we're focusing, you know, outward and, and, and then receiving as a result of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> Roy, I have just really appreciated talking to you. I always always appreciate you because you have a, you're, so, you're so diverse and you're so knowledgeable, but I always feel like I'm talking to you as a brother, as a friend, as a person who, and especially you and your wife both, uh, as to the effect that you have on our congregation. If there's any one last thing you'd like to say, uh, I know it's been over a year since we talked, and I really hope that it's be far less than that where we can, share some of our thoughts uh, again with our podcast audience, but is there any thought that you would like to leave?
1: Well, I think, um, I think the most important thing is, uh, you know, keeping, um, hope alive and, and and realizing that God loves us and he's not going to put us through anything, you know, that we can't handle. And, and yes, there are going to be tough times, but, um, you know, keep the vision of, of the world, Christ and the Father are going to restore us to one day. And, uh, and don't, don't ever lose sight of that, no matter what's going on around you.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much. And thank you for joining us and taking the time from your busy schedule, even though it's a Sunday. I know that you have all kinds of other people that talk to you, especially on Sunday, because that's the day that they can talk to you.
1: Well, I appreciate that uh, talking with you too, Rick. Look, look forward to it again.
0: Thank you for joining us today on The Cubic Report. We hope that you enjoyed this presentation and discussion with Dr. Roy Fouch. Please be sure to tell your friends about The Cubic Report. We can be found on various platforms, including Spotify and Amazon Music. If you have any questions or comments, please be sure to write to me at vcubic at gmail.com thecubic at gmail.com so thank you for joining us come back soon for more